Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. How many of you in your life have ever wanted to quit something? How many have actually quit something? So you'll take great encouragement, I hope, from this message tonight. The Bible calls that wanting to quit, to lose heart. Um, Some versions translate it to grow weary. Uh, Others, that you might faint. More old English words perhaps, but the idea is give up, quit, wave the white flag, throw in the towel, all of those types of words fit tonight. I want to start with a story, true story. American swimmer Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim the entire English Channel both ways without stopping. Um, She did this twice, and then she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the coast of California, which was 16 straight hours of swimming. Um, She failed to do it uh, the first time. And the reason is noteworthy of why she didn't make it. She did not fail to make it because of how cold the water was, although it was cold. She did not fail because somehow her muscles cramped up and she got tight and had to be pulled into the boat. wasn't that. It wasn't that there were sharks or jellyfish that the safety risk was too high and she had to be pulled from. It wasn't those things either. Uh, It wasn't the physical exhaustion of all the exertion it took to swim those 16 hours. The reason that she didn't make it and she ended up quitting was because of fog. Um, She tells the story that She swam and swam in thick fog for hours um, to the point where she didn't even any longer know if she was swimming in the correct direction. She didn't know if she was making all that much progress, and uh, she wasn't sure that she was going to make it. And so, in despair, she asked to be pulled out of the water and into the boat. Not long after she was in the boat, she was told that she was less than one hour of swimming from shore. But she had quit. Um, If she had only known, I mean, I thought this, if she had only known that she was so close, she would have persevered. But instead, and these are her words, I lost perspective and gave up. See, there are times in our lives, and you've experienced them because you've quit, and so have I, where the fog rolls in and we lose sight of shore. Isn't that true? Um, Someone that you trusted um, takes advantage of you for personal gain. Someone that you love stops loving you back. A good plan that you had uh, really is derailed. Unexpected financial hardships come fast and hard, and you're not sure what you're going to do. When the fog is thick, it is easy. Let me say it again. It is easy to lose perspective. And can I tell you this? Fog 
If not worked through with the right perspective, fog can be fatal. True story, B-25, a bomber, military, crashed into the Empire State Building. I don't know if you know this. 1945, on Saturday, July 28th, there were 14 deaths, 11 people from the building and three of the crew. It was a Saturday, so there weren't that many people there as normally there would have been. And the reason why the plane flew right into the 79th floor, you guessed it, fog. Fog. It was so thick, he couldn't even see that he was in New York City. He couldn't see the buildings and flew right into it. See, fog, if not gone through with the right perspective, can be fatal. Guess how many car crashes there are in America every year because of fog? 31,385. Guess how many people are injured every year because of fog? 11,812. How many people die in fatal fog accidents? 511 people die in America every year with fog-related accidents. See, it's not just cars and it's not just people because fog is real in our lives, not just when we're driving down the road. It can destroy friendships. It can destroy fellowship. It can destroy ministry. It can destroy marriage because fog, if not seen through the right perspective, can be fatal. And if we're not careful, bad things begin to happen when we don't go through the fog correctly. We begin to think that things are really worse than they really are. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and then we quit and we blame the fog for quitting um, so that we don't have to call ourselves a quitter. Not that we wanted to give up, or so we tell ourselves. It's just that our circumstances become so impossible and so difficult that what else could we do? And I've heard these statements. I didn't want to give up on my marriage, but Pastor Walker, if you only knew what my spouse had said or done, the fog was thick. See, I don't want to give up on coming to church, but there's a couple things in our church that really need to change, and I don't like them. And what else am I supposed to do? I don't want to stop tithing. I know I should give to the Lord, but you know there's so many extenuating bad circumstances financially that I'm going through, and see, the fog is to be the blame. And I don't want to give up on really serving in this ministry, but my work schedule has become so busy, and all the things that are crowded into my life I really don't have time for those things anymore. So I I didn't want to quit my marriage. I didn't want to quit that ministry. I didn't want to quit going to church. I didn't want to quit those things. But, you know, the fog, the fog was so thick. See, in the midst of difficult situations, we can lose our perspective. And yet, on the flip side of that same coin, a little perspective can change everything. It really can. When my daughter was little, Uh, Mackenzie was diagnosed with ear tumors at three years old. She had got them from birth. They were genetic. They were tumors, not like a normal tumor, because they were microscopic, and they would eat into your ear and lose your hearing. And if you've been around long enough, you've already heard this story. But you think you have it bad when your daughter has ear tumors, and they're going to have to have surgery, and she had nine or ten surgeries. And I thought, you know, wow, this is really bad, and what's the Lord up to? Until I got perspective in going to Children's Hospital. 
And then I saw the little girl who was eight years old sitting in a wheelchair, completely bald because she was dying of leukemia. It would never come out of that hospital. See, then you have perspective. See, I thought McKinsey's problem was worse than it really was. And then my response, you know, I blame the fog because I'm trying to do all these things and then this happens and it's easy to blame the fog, isn't it? See, two months later, after Florence Chadwick failed to reach the California coastline, she tried it again. Crazy enough, it wasn't more than an hour into her second swim that the fog rolled right back in, (laughs) just as thick as before. But this time, she made it. And you know what she said and declared was the difference? She said that almost 90% of the swim the second time, I never saw the coastline until I was right on it. She goes, but the difference this time was I was ready. You know why? Because she said, I had a mental picture of the coastline the entire time in my mind. She said, although I couldn't see it with this, she said, I could see it with this. And she said, I was able to persevere and I finished. See, that's what the Apostle Paul wants to do for us tonight in the text I ask you to turn to in 2 Corinthians. See, Paul has gone through a lot of fog, and I'm going to show you just what it is. He and all of his missions team, they've gone on a lot of fog. They've gone, I'm going to show you spiritual fog, fighting spiritual battles, physical fog, and they fought physical battles. And he's going to tell you, hey, here's how I got through the fog. Here's how uh, the perspective that changed my life and enabled me to get through the fog successfully. And Paul tonight wants to share that with you and I. And this little chapter, if you're there in 2 Corinthians 4, is framed by the identical phrase in verse 1 and 16. Again, as often scripture writers do, he has what's called an inclusio or a bookend statement. And between those two bookend statements, he tells you how not to do, in this case, lose heart. See verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. Here's our phrase. We do not quit. ESV. We do not lose heart. See it? I don't quit. I don't give up. I don't stop serving and working and loving and being faithful. I don't do though. I don't, I don't lose heart. See, now turn to verse 16. Same chapter. Here's the other one. This is the bookend. See, verse 16. So, based on what I said between verse 1 and now, see it? So, we do not lose hearts. See that? So, here's what he's going to tell you. I want to tell you tonight, if there is a secret, of how not to quit. Whatever you're thinking about quitting tonight. How you can persevere. How you can keep going. How you can endure and not lose heart. Okay? So let me give you just blocks between 1 and 16. We're going to look at 16 through 18. That's our text tonight because that's the perspective I want to give you. But let me tell you how it leads up to in Paul's life. In verses 1 through 6, he's talking about the gospel ministry. And he starts out with this phrase. And please learn and get this down because it's absolutely crucial if you're going to make it through the fog. Ready? Therefore, having this ministry, underline it, by the mercy of God... If you're ever going to get through the fog, you've got to realize this, that you'll never do it on your own. 
Paul says, you know why I'm in the ministry? For the, you know why I'm never going to quit? I'm never going to relax. I'm never going to go backwards. I'm not going to let anybody or anything stop me from preaching and living the gospel. You know why? Because it's a miraculous thing that I'm even in it. He calls it mercy. In other words, Paul never forgot who he was and how God showed mercy on him. And so, so he wasn't just a blasphemer. And someone who wanted to kill Christians, now he preaches the gospel. He said, listen to how God has changed my life. He showed mercy to me. And he never forgot that. He never forgot that the foundation and root of his life was what God had done in him and for him. And so when it comes to that, here's what he says. He has opposition and he's going to face it because he says in verse 4 that in verse 3, if our gospel is hid or veiled, it is veiled to those who are lost, whom the God of this age has blinded their eyes, lest they see and believe in the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, he says. So he said, you know who I have opposition from? The God of this age. Satan himself is working against us. He's blinding the eyes of the people that I'm living for and sometimes being threatened to die for. He says, see, Satan himself is opposing us. So you know what? There's a lot of spiritual fog taking place in his life, and he has to battle it. And you know what? He could easily give up and say, listen, I can't fight this. I can't win. And he goes, I already know that because God is the one who does it in me. The mercies of God and his grace are there. And then in verses 7 through 15, not only were there spiritual struggles and fog, but there are physical ones. Read the text for yourself. It's a bunch of antithetical phrases. He says, I'm cast down, but not destroyed, persecuted, this, but not this, that, but not, you know, he, go back and forth. And he says, he sums it up and says, listen, I am always caring about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I mean, this guy is suffering, being persecuted, beat up, risking things, all the time living in fear. He says, all these things happen, but I'm not thrown down. I'm not, listen, I, in other words, I never quit. I never give up. I never throw in the towel. I never wave the white flag. Why? How can he do it? He says, because I have the key. I have the perspective of how you make it through the fog. Spiritual fog, physical fog. Here's how you make it through. In our text, is verses 16 through 18. So we don't lose heart, he says. And here's the first thing you need to see. Here's the first change in your perspective. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Notice in the text, there's contrast all the way through, but in this verse, it's a contrast between my outer self and my inner self. And there are two twin processes taking place simultaneously, okay? Here's Paul's experience, and here's you and I's, okay? And I know this more so now because I'm 55, right? Here's what he says. Every single day, I'm wasting away. The word means to be destroyed, so every day, Paul says, I'm getting a little weaker, I'm getting a little older, I'm losing it a little bit more. I don't see as well, I don't walk as well, I don't do as much, I'm getting beaten and it's harder to recover, okay? Every day, I'm wasting away, and this physical outer man is getting a little weaker, a little less, all the time. And that process is taking place. Listen, that's the outer self. But he says, and at the same time, Listen, on the inside, 
there's a different process going on. Ready? See it in verse 16? Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Weaker, okay, going more in destruction and decay. That's my outer man. But on the inner man, a little stronger, right? A little more powerful. Every day being renewed. Now, if you know English, you know renewed means that something is being made new again. So what Paul is saying is, here's the first perspective you need to have. And this is all of us. Be ready. When you go through the fog, here's the temptation. Ready? I'm only going to focus on what's going on on the outside. So I get a sickness. I get a chronic problem physically. I have a financial difficulty. I have a marital issue. My kids are not acting right. I didn't get the raise at my job. And here's the problem where the fog really gets us and can destroy us because all we think about is those things and how they affect our outer self. It ruined me, set me back. I'm not going to be able to do this now. I can't have that. And this isn't working. And all we think about too often is all the things on the outside. Paul says, listen, what God does to you is not nearly as important as what God does in you and through you. What happens, why God put that in your life and why God allowed that to happen and what he wants to make of you because of it is far more important than the event isolated by itself. Paul says, here's your perspective and you gotta change it if you're gonna get through the fog. You gotta say, God, here's what's happened on the outside. How are you gonna use this to make me more like Jesus on the inside? And how, do you, how in the world can you do that when the outside thing is so horrific or so bad? Ready? Well, you have to be renewed day by day. Right? Day by day. The word renewed is only used one other place in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. And it's in Colossians 3, 9 and 10. And he says, you put off the old man. Put on the new man, and in between, here's what he says, and you be renewed, and he adds the phrase, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I put on my paper this little phrase I put in there, that not losing heart is profoundly connected to not losing truth. Let me say it again. Not losing heart is profoundly connected to not losing truth truth. Fresh strength in my heart is deeply connected to fresh knowledge in my head. So you know how you make it through the fog? I'm in the word of God in the foggiest times of my life, and I let the truth of God's word as I read it and study and meditate it, and it gets off the page and into my heart. See, God says, I renew you. Now listen, I wish there was a car that you filled up the tank and you only had to do it once a month. I wish there was a way that you could have a pill and it would be a meal and you wouldn't have to eat. No, I don't really wish that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish there was a time where you could take one pill and it would cover everything you possibly could get sick in one year. You wouldn't have to take anything else. I wish there was one shot and cancer would be over. I wish you could have one booster and it would last for 40 years. But guess what? There aren't any of those things. And can I tell you this? It's also true spiritually. There are no spiritual one shots, one pill, one booster. Here's what he says. You know how you get through the fog? Every single day you need to renew your mind. 
every day. See, here's why you lose heart. You lose truth. See, you're thinking the most difficult time, you're so into yourself and what's happening to you because you're only focusing on the outside. You're not really concerned about the inside. And when you're not concerned about what's happening on the inside, guess what you do? I don't need to read the Bible or I'm too in pain or I have too much anxiety or fear, so I just kind of let the Bible go. It's the worst thing you could ever do. Right? Because here's what's losing heart is connected to losing truth. And here's what Paul says. You know what I need more than anything else? This. Every day. Every day I need to get into it. That's why the Bible says in Lamentations what? Your mercies are new. Say it with me. Right? Not tomorrow. You won't get tomorrow's mercies until tomorrow. Today's mercies for today's problems. Right? That's what, that's what the Bible says. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out. And God gave them what? Give us this day our mm, daily bread. So here's what God says. This is what you need every day. So this outer process is being destroyed. But I counter that with the inner process that every single day I'm renewing my mind in the word of God. And God takes that truth and puts it into my life, and as I put it into action, guess what he does? He changes my perspective. And I begin to see, oh, I know why that outer thing happened. Look what he's doing on the inside of me. That's the first perspective. Secondly, he says in verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, watch the contrast again. What perspective do you need when you're going through the fog? You need to be able to have what I call the comparison tool. Here's what he says. There are some things in life that are heavy, and there are some things in life that are light. Our problem is when we go through suffering and difficulty and hardship, we switch them. Now, most of us would not say what this verse says. After all you know about what Paul suffered and was persecuted and went through for Christ, look what he says. For this light, momentary affliction. Are you serious? Is that the understatement of the age? How can what you've gone through ever be called light? And how in the world could it ever be called momentary I mean, he's in prayer. He's in jail or prison for years. I mean, he has more beatings and lashes on his back than you can begin to count. The guy is deformed because of it. He probably lost some eyesight because of it. I mean, he's been, it's been horrific how he's been treated. And you know what he calls it? Get this perspective. Oh, that's light stuff. Serious? You and I get someone call us a name for sticking up for Jesus and we fall apart. I got to stand up for him and you think you said that? Oh, really? Someone at church does something to offend you and you, you get blown out of the water. Paul, you know what Paul says? Look at all I've done. You know what it is? Light. And it's only momentary. I mean, it's just for a few seconds. Where in the world do you get that? Look what he says is heavy. That's where he gets it. It's, listen, don't miss this word. It is preparing for us. Do you get that? See, if you think 
that everything that comes into your life, suffering, hardship, difficulty, the thing is to avoid it or get out of it as quick as you can. You are never going to get through the fog. You're not. Paul says, you know how I'm able to say this is heavy when everyone else says it's light? And I think this is light and everyone else says it's heavy. You know how he has a different perspective? Because he sees what's happening to him differently. He sees it as preparation. We see it as frustration. He, we see it as something to avoid at all costs. He sees it as something to be embraced at all costs. Because the difference is Paul cares far more about what God is doing in him than what he is doing to him. Is that you? Maybe that's why you have a hard time navigating the fog. If you were honest, you could share stories about buildings that you've flown into. And how you want to throw in the towel and quit. And you're, In fact, you're here tonight and you're thinking about it already. And Paul says here, the difference is because what you call is heavy is light. And what really is light is heavy. That's the perspective that he wants us to get tonight. And then he says, how do you do that? Now let me tell you the, the, the measure that he goes to. It's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. And, and, and he doesn't know how to get this across. In the English version, it says, beyond all comparison. And in the Greek word, it's to the same Greek word twice in a row. And the word means surpassingness. And I wrote down, here's all the translations. The surpassingness of surpassingness, which makes no sense, kind of. The one verse says this, all out of, comport, of proportion. One says to excess. Another one, beyond all measure and proportion, beyond all comparison and estimate, to a degree exceeding all bounds, to utterly incomparable degrees. Those are all translations. Somebody in English is trying to say, I can't come up with the words. Not only does he say this is heavy and this is light, but he says, the two are so far apart that I can't even come up with words to tell you how far apart they are. I mean, what you're going to get in the future is so far different than what you're experiencing in the present that I can't even compare how completely different they are. And I don't believe that we think that or grasp it. We don't. When's the last time you thought about heaven? And don't count funerals. When's the last time that you thought about heaven, about God and being there and the new Jerusalem and the new heavens and earth? When's the last time you gave it any thought? Let me ask you a more pointed question. When's the last time that you were thick in the fog that you thought about heaven and God? You know what? The book of Revelation does many things. But you know one of the great things it does? Through chapter 6 through 19, is about all the incredibly thick fog of the tribulation. I mean, talk about rough. I mean, you got people under the throne saying, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord, until you take vengeance. I mean, we got people who are being beheaded, killed, tortured, persecuted. I mean, it's incredibly bad. But you know how the book starts out? How do you prepare for the fog? Well, you prepare for 6 through 19 by having 4 and 5. You know what 4 and 5 is? Throne scenes in heaven and the angelic beings and the four beasts around the throne. 
giving praise and honor to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And four and five are about how God is sovereign and he's in control of all history. And there's a scroll about all the details of history. And it opens up and everyone's crying because there's no one who can open it. And the Lamb of God says, I'll open it. You know why? Because he wrote it. All of it. Every piece of it. So you know how you go through the fog, even the fog of the tribulation period? Perspective. And the idea of Revelation is this, to teach you this. You know how you see things on earth? Only if you're in heaven can you see them properly. Perspective. It changes everything. So here's the thing. You're going through fog tonight, and if all you see is the outer man, all you see is the present difficulties that you're going through, and you say, oh, how heavy my burden is. And it may be. But that fog can be fatal. Beware. Be careful. It can be ruin and destroy you. If you don't have a perspective that says, listen, I see everything down here from up here, he says. Lastly, verse 18. As we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. See that? have the right perspective, you're going to have to say, I don't focus primarily on the visible, but rather on the invisible. See, here's what we have to have. Not the outer, but the inner. Not the present, but the future. Not the visible, but the invisible. Not the temporal, but the eternal. See how he goes back and forth, all those perspective changes? He said, you're never going to swim unless you keep your eye on the coastline. You're never going to make it unless you keep your heart and eyes in heaven fixed on Jesus. So he says, as we look, and I, I looked it up actually, because the word look, it means to gaze upon. It means that you're going to look not with a glance, not a fleeting look, but this is a look that focuses. Concentration is the idea of it. So here's where you're going to put your focus, he says. And he has to tell you, not the things which are visible. Hold your finger here, because you know what this is called, right? There's a word for this perspective. It's called F. Our church is named by it. Faith. Hebrews 11. Let me show you what you may have not seen before. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here's what Paul's saying. You know what you have to perspective have? Faith. Faith won't allow you to quit. It won't let you lose heart. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Watch. The conviction of what? Things not seen. Oh, you know what you're going to have to do to get to the fog? Have two sets of eyes. A physical set and a spiritual set. You're going to need them both to keep your eye on the coastline. Verse 3. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen, see it, was not made out of the things that are visible. How do we believe in creation and not evolution? By faith. By faith. Not because there isn't scientific proof, there is, but primarily by faith, because we look at the things that are Visible, but we also can see beyond that to that which is invisible. 
11 and verse 7. Let's see what that looks like in real life. So here's the fog of building an ark for 120 years when no one believes in what you're doing and you don't get any converts. No one wants to get on this ark with you. How did he do it? Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events, what are they? As yet unseen. Oh, he couldn't see them yet. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. But he did it, what? He believed God even though he couldn't see it yet, it says. Verse 13. He's not the only one. These all died in faith, verse 13, not having received the things promised, what? But having seen them and greeted them from afar. In other words, God promises this, and in their lifetime, they didn't see the promise fulfilled. So they died in faith. Why? Because they had another set of eyes. See, to be able to see through the fog, you've got to have some spiritual eyes. You've got to be able to see the coastline. Remember what Florence Chadwick said? I couldn't see it. Here, but I could see it what? Here. See, you gotta have that. You gotta have that. Lord, I, I don't know. This doesn't look like, and you talking about your circumstance situation. How in the world are you, and with your eyes, these, you'll quit. You'll give up too soon if you're not careful. Hebrews 11 25. Let me start in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 40 years old, by the way, lived in Egypt in the palace, the richest luxury position. When the world would move him to give all that up, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Serious? How in the world, at that point in your life, do you make that choice? Here's how. He considered the reproach of Christ. See the comparison? Greater, which was heavier to him. See, in the palace, and the riches, and all the women, light stuff, momentary. So ask yourself, you and your children, what are you teaching your kids to live for? Light stuff or heavy stuff? Oh, you know, if we did this, I know, but it's so light, and it's momentary, and it isn't going to last. Are your kids living for the real weighty stuff, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, stuff that's going to last? And the word three, eternal three times, 4, 17, 18, 5, 1, eternal, eternal, eternal. He wants to drive it in your mind. Live for what lasts, he says. But Moses says, you know how I esteemed the reproach of Christ? Okay, being persecuted for, for Christ is weightier and better, listen to this, better than sticking it out in the palace where everything's cush. How does he, how does he see it that way? Ready? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was, what? Looking to the reward. What kind of looking? By faith he left Egypt, not be afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured. How did he get through it? How did he get through the fog of all of that? As seeing him who is invisible. See that? He had another pair of eyes. Moses got through the fog 
of the plagues, Pharaoh hunting them down, the Red Sea, 40 years in the wilderness. You know how he endured all of that and never quit, not one time, even when his own people, who he loved and was willing to give up his life for, wanted to stone him? Amazing. Never once did he quit. He, never, he didn't grow weary and give up. How? Because he could see the invisible. He could. Invisible realities. Do you have the ability to see them? Because without it, you may not get through the fog. We need a perspective change, and that's what Paul indicates that we can have here. You say, Pastor Walker, well, what's the key to that? Let me close just with a verse. Jesus is talking about discipleship, and in Matthew 11, he says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You got all of this heavy stuff you think is going on in your life. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Come to me, he says. You who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen, for my yoke, and that was a discipleship term, because when you were a disciple and a rabbi, you were under his yoke, like a yoke of oxen. And you learned to pull like he pulled. And you learned what he knew. That was a discipleship. He goes, come and let me be your master. Let me be your rabbi. You be my disciple. For my yoke is easy. What did he say next? Oh, my burden is light. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly of heart. You know what you need and I need? We need to be discipled to have the heart of Jesus if we're going to get through the fog. What kind of heart? Oh, a heart that says, oh, I know you think this is heavy. Come follow me because I can turn your heavy into light. I can. Not because anything externally changes. Because I can change you internally. As you follow me, you'll learn to say, oh, temporal, eternal, I choose this. Oh, heavy, light, I choose this. See, you can learn to do that. But you have to have his heart. You have to be his disciple. You have to say, Lord, I'm going to learn your ways. I want to see things how you see things. I want to respond to him like you respond to him. And I can't do it unless I have your heart. So you say, Master, that's what I want. Don't let me miss any of the things that you want me to learn as I go through the fog. So tonight, I don't know how thick your fog is. I don't know how long you've been driving through it. And I don't know how many buildings and other things you've run into. But I think tonight, maybe it's time to get out of the fog. You can try fog lamps. I used to have them on a Jeep I had. And it's thick out there. It doesn't do any good. You know what you really need? You need to be able to see through it, not just see in it, through it. And the only way you can do that is through Jesus. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no invitation tonight, but I simply want to pray for you. With no one looking around, maybe you'd be here tonight and say, Pastor Walker, listen, I'll be honest, there's some really pretty thick fog I'm driving through. And I, and I do have some of those tendencies tonight. I do tend to focus on the outside more than the inside and I tend, to, I tend to focus on the present and what's in front of me instead of the future and what it's doing in me, preparing me for. 
And I don't see the eternal as valuable as the temporary. And listen, I see the visible far better than I see the invisible. See, those perspectives, I'm struggling with those. And it's difficult to get through this fog. And, and, And tonight you might even say, to some degree, I'm afraid of how the fog might be ruining some things in my life. And if you're honest, there may be a tendency to say, hey, you know what, tonight I'm thinking about giving it up. I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Some people would even say, I don't know if I can go on another day. You know, some people get to the place in the fog where they don't think they should be living anymore. I mean, it can be that severe. And let me encourage you tonight. You can have a different perspective. And if you have the heart of Jesus and his perspective, it can change everything. And perhaps tonight, that's the very reason he brought you here. Because he knows where you're at, and he sees that you're on the verge of quitting. But you've got to renew day by day, day by day. And if you're in that boat somewhere tonight, the fog's getting the best of you, say, Pastor Walker, I need your prayer because I need to change my perspective. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Would you just do that? Slip it up tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over there, too. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone? I'm just in a fog tonight. But I need to dwell on these verses. I need to get this perspective. I need Jesus' heart. I'm going to get through this fog the way he wants me to. Not just get through it, but have him make me something through it. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Father, fog, it can be dangerous. It can be deadly. But it doesn't have to be. You have the perspective that we need to take up. And I pray for those who raise their hands tonight, indicating that they're driving through some thick fog. I don't know what all of that means for them, but you do, and that's what matters. I pray tonight that you would allow this word, as they continue to study and meditate on it, to get off the page into their hearts, to make a difference, to see everything on earth from heaven's point of view, and that you would begin to work in them to change their perspective. It's going to take some humility It's going to have to take some recognition that our perspective isn't right and we've been doing it wrong and that's not easy. So Father, I pray that you would so work by your spirit and word, change our perspective, give us your heart and give us eyes to see through the fog that you might make us through it more like your son Jesus. For it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen.